How do you sell to a sensitive market? Hi, welcome to Business Mindset Mastery. I'm your host, Heather Gray. I'm a mindset and leadership expert. I work with business owners, leaders, and entrepreneurs over at Heather Gray Consulting. And today I want to have a conversation that usually belongs more on my biz besties feed. Um, I don't know if you guys listen to uh, Smart Leaders Sell podcast with Jessica Lorimer, but if you haven't caught that podcast, definitely find your way over to that. But Jess and I have been biz besties for a couple of years now, pretty much ever since I joined the online space and she's a sales and leadership expert. So typically when it comes to sales talk, I leave those conversations to her and her expertise. But recently, a lot of people have been sort of poking me and pinging me with different questions around how do you sell and how do you reach out to clients or prospective leads when you're selling something that speaks to their pain point. So specifically the um, conversation that came up the other day, somebody was asking me about, and it had to do with grief work. And how do you, um, how do you talk to people who recently lost their spouses about the fact that you can help them, um, adjust to their loss of widowhood or widowerhood, I guess you call it. And how do you have those conversations? And the reflection was, I guess I just have to wait for them to find me because how can I start, you know, selling their pain for my profit? And I think that's often the the perception in this conversation, right? It's that I'm a grief specialist. I help people with resiliency. I help people get back on their feet. But in order to help people with that, I first have to remind them of the worst moments, days, years in their lives. And so who am I to do that? And I think that when we look at it from that perspective, we're selling ourselves short. So right now, when people talk to me about the type of work I do, I will often be quoted as saying, oh, I sell first world problems. You know, people who can't um, get out of their own way and can't up-level their business and can't, um, you know, sort of of crack their upper limit problem and or who struggle with money mindset, et cetera, et cetera. And I will lump that whole category into first world problems. But one of the things that I really recognize and own when I actually have these conversations with people is that's never where the conversation stays. That typically, whatever it looks like on the surface of, um, I'm afraid of success. I can't get out of my own way. I'm not making good decisions. I haven't hired well for my last three hires. Underneath that is real human experience and real genuine pain that's insulting to call a first world problem. And it's disrespectful because it usually speaks to childhood issues, really hard experiences in young adulthood and early adulthood that we can't just say, oh, because on the surface, it looks like life is pretty good. You just can't get on live video when you need to sell your course or program. It's not fair to say it's a first world problem because what I really do when we break it down is I help people get past their pain points so they can start living the lives that they want to live. And that if they were already past their pain point, they probably wouldn't need me in the first place. And so one of the things that I started to think about as I was formulating this conversation for myself is going back to my therapy days, right? When I was a brick and mortar therapist, because it was more sort of accessible and easier to say, I help people with depression. 
I help people with anxiety. I help people who, um, you know, are stuck in complicated grief or you know, fill in the blank for the type of work I used to do back then and recognize that I was, you know, easing suffering. But at the same time, if we're not really speaking clearly to people so that they can hear us and they can understand us, if we're playing small because we don't want to talk about such things or we don't want to make people feel bad or, you know, we don't want to be seen as (laughs) somebody called themselves an ambulance chaser in a training that I did last year. And I was like, no, that's not what you're doing. Um, But that idea that we create that self-perception that if our service or product serves somebody in significant pain, we are a-holes for putting ourselves out there and saying, hey, you're in pain, I can help. I want to flip the script a little bit because it's our perception as helping professionals that's getting in the way of our ability to actually be helpful. Because if someone is stuck in grief, if somebody's struggling with infertility, if somebody's struggling with menopause, if somebody's struggling with their kid problems and their kid isn't acting the way they need to, or with, you know, my old neck of the woods, the depression and the anxiety, then as helping professionals, aren't we being a little bit selfish if we keep that to ourselves? If we say, oh, you're really stuck in grief, huh? You thought it all magically got better after the first year, after you're, you know, you went through the first birthday and the first anniversary and the first Christmas and the first Hanukkah. You thought it'd all be better now and now you're past that first year and you're still hurting. Oh, I would love to talk to you about that, but I'd be a jerk if I let you know that I have ways that could help you feel better. I think we need to start turning the lens on how we help and how we look at how we help because it's infecting our sales processes. So many helping professionals are getting in their own way because they don't want to be perceived as X, Y, or Z. And what I would really like you to do, particularly if you're listening to this from a place of being a service provider who takes care of a sensitive topic. You know, I just, I worked recently last year with somebody who specialized in helping women um, manage the after effects of miscarriage. How do you move on? How do you accept your loss and grief? And then how do you go on to have more children? So, you know, one of the things she would say is she's like, I can't talk about miscarriage in my ad content. I can't talk about this. I can't talk about that. And I said, you are a specialist in this level of female mental health. And people need to know you exist because when this happens to them, they think they're all alone because nobody talks about miscarriage and nobody talks about infertility and nobody talks about repeated multiple losses when you're trying to get pregnant. If people don't know you exist, they are stuck in crap tons of pain without relief. And I was thinking back to that conversation because the immediate lead in was like, oh, who am I to speak about child loss and infant loss and newborn loss, you know, in ad copy or in a blog post, because I would need to do all these trigger warnings. I would have to make sure I didn't set people off when in reality, no, you have to create the safe 
places for people to have that conversation. That as service providers and helping professionals, our job is to create the safe place to have the incredibly hard conversations. And you have heard me do that on this show. You've heard me talk to people who are embarrassed because they have more money than their siblings and they want to give their moms really nice Mother's Day gifts. You heard me talk just the other day about somebody who, you know, has outgrown her network and wants to make new friends who are more at her level. And somebody, you know, we've talked to people whose businesses have failed, whose launches have failed, who have been through really hard things. And we, as helping professionals, have a responsibility to say it's okay to talk about that here. I know that out there the world judges. I know that out there people have opinions. But here you have a safe place to land. And that is what I strive to do on the show. That is why this show continues to be a five day a week show. Because mindset when done right is a daily practice, but also is something that needs to be reinforced because it is so gosh darn easy to put it at the bottom of the list. To say like, oh, you got to do your to-do list first. And then if there's times for personal and professional development, you can do that later or once every other week or stick to just twice a week because, you know, you have things to do. It is so easy to brush it aside, to talk ourselves out of it without thinking about the natural consequence that comes when we play small, when we don't talk about the issues that we're expertise, that we have expertise at, when we don't bring to the surface the ways that we can relieve suffering, when we don't talk to people about where it hurts. You know, I, um, I was talking to you guys, um, I think it was over a year ago, sometime last summer, you know, about this question that came up in a country music song that I listened to. It's called Tuesdays Broken by Jennifer Nettles. And, you know, she says, what if we asked, where does it hurt? And that song over a year later still resonates with me because if we are really going to help people, we have got to be comfortable talking about their pain. And we can't help them until they know we exist. And we have a responsibility to share our solutions. And when we don't, and when we choose not to sell our solutions, we are doing them and ourselves a tremendous disservice. You're looking at your product or service as you sell it and conceptualize it from a place of what would it look like? And you know what? Here's the thing. To the lay person, to the person who's not affected by this, maybe they are going to look at you and be like, oh, wow, you're an ambulance chaser. Huh? Like good at you making money off somebody else's hardship. You go get them, knock them dead right? Like that, we can't say that isn't true. Nor can we say that isn't true for someone who's actually been through the thing you are talking about. Because people get bitter, they get cynical, and they get mistrusting when they're in pain. Because they don't feel seen, and they don't feel heard, and they don't feel understood. Those reasons are not proof positive to not sell. Those reasons are an illustration of why you need to sell. 
to tell people who you are, what you do, and how you serve. To say, this is your pain point, and I am an expert at relieving it. Because you don't have to be in pain anymore. This reminds me a little bit, and it's a rough analogy, so y'all will have to bear with me here, but this reminds me of when I was a therapist and I would be talking to people around using medication um, because they would you know, wish that therapy could be enough and that they didn't, quote unquote, need a pill to feel better, et cetera, et cetera. And they would, you know, and there would be this this sort of a lot of judgment and inner critic stuff going on around the decision to take meds. And it is, you know, undoubtedly a really personal decision. But ultimately, the line that I would say to so many clients, and I would look them in the eye. So you need to like, imagine yourself doing this in your version of looking your leads and your clients in the eye um, in this virtual world that we all exist in. But this idea of saying like, I see you and you're suffering. I don't want you to suffer anymore because that is the root of your why. That is why you're doing this whole thing. And I can't tell you how often when I talk to people who are helping professionals as clients, one of like my intake questions, one of my getting to know you questions was, when was the last time you sold? When was the last time you said out loud, I have a service, this is what I do, and this is how you can work with me? And the business coaches and the people who, um, you know, sort of sell courses and digital products that help people make more money or help people lose more weight or blah, blah, blah. Those people will always tell me, oh, last week or yesterday, you know, Jess, who's um, the host of the Smart Leader Sell podcast that I told you about, um, you know, Jess tells her clients to sell every day. Helping professionals when I ask this, I'll hear like a month ago. I'll hear two months ago because, you know, I really want to offer them a lot of value. I want them to know, like, and trust me. I want to create an environment of support to which I have to say bullcrap because when you're creating an environment of support, you're containing the pain. You're saying, oh, you're in pain. Let me hold it. You're in pain. Let me see you hold it. You're in pain. I'll keep you company with it. You're in pain. I'll talk to you about it. And you're holding on to the solution for the relief of the pain because we're supposed to sell. What's, what do they always say? They sell, say, um, you know, show the what, sell the how, or, you know, you guys know the phrase I'm currently in the middle of butchering. But that idea, like, why would we do that? Why would we extend the amount of time that people are in pain when we have the solution in our back pockets? So the next thing, once I convince you of this, once you're in the choir I'm preaching to, you have to wrap your mind around how do you have those conversations? How do you say it in a way that doesn't make you feel like an a-hole? How do you say it in a way that's sensitive? And here's where I, I always wonder why coaches and consultants struggle with this so much is if they were already your client, what would you say and how would you talk about it? You wouldn't be dodging it. You wouldn't be talking around it. You wouldn't be saying like, oh, I'm going to approach this really carefully. You would be talking about it upfront, personal and like center. So what happens and how does your mindset shift? If you talk to your leads and your potential clients and your audience and your members of your Facebook group and your connections on LinkedIn as if 
They are already your clients who share this common pain point. I was um, chuckling to myself the other day because one of the podcasts I also listen to, I'm obsessed with, by the way, I don't know if I've given this show a shout out on my own show in a while, but terrible thanks for asking with Nora McInerney. Holy cow, I love that show. And um, I want to be like her when I grow up. I just think she's fantastic. And by the way, her audiobook, No Happy Endings, also really worth a listen. But And do the audiobook. Don't read the book. It's really, really good on audio. She's a fantastic storyteller. Anyway, again, I digress. She, um, one of her businesses and one of the things that she does is a nonprofit called the Hot Young Widows Club. And she said, no, it's not just for young. It's not just for women. You don't have to be hot. The one quality is, is you have to have a person who you thought you were going to spend the rest of your life with and they have have to be dead. And she said it so just bluntly <laughs> and so unapologetically, but I was like, yep, there it is. We're not like, we're not talking around the grief. We're not like saying, oh, sorry for your lost loved one. We're saying, sorry for your dead loved one. And it was so matter of fact. And my gut reaction to hearing that was like, wow, how seen those people must feel. Because finally, somebody isn't wrapping their pain in a cliche. Suddenly, people aren't like talking around it, saying it happens for a reason. It's okay. You'll get better. They're just confronting the pain head on. And I, I think there's value to that. And, you know, one of the things when you guys hear me talk about why I'm not a therapist anymore and why I'm, you know, in this new space and doing this business this way is because as a therapist, I really really kind of felt very consistently that the therapy police were going to come and get me at any second and that like there were things therapists weren't allowed to do and things therapists couldn't say and I I know that selling was a part of it because I talk to therapists now I currently you know I I have their you know I I've talked to therapists who um are trying to grow their practices and the biggest pain point for therapists trying to grow their practices is they don't feel like they have permission to sell they don't feel like ambition is something that's allowed in the field. I think that's why largely therapy as a field is largely going to end up dying on the vine because therapists aren't being empowered to tell how they, you know, transform lives and how they, you know, solve these incredible pain points. So it's this idea of recognizing that you have to to own your skill set and you have to be able to recognize for yourself that there's value in not keeping it to yourself. And then you get to decide how you're going to have that conversation and talk about it dead front and center. So people feel seen. So they don't feel invisible. Like they have to hide. You create that open, welcoming environment for folks who, you know, resonate with your message and they're going to find their way to you. And not everybody is going to understand. That's okay. Not everybody has to understand, but the people who need you, it will matter to them. You know, I always have my, my poor father, Father's Day is coming up. It's probably not a good time to call him out. But I remember like a time in my career when I was incredibly passionate about working with at-risk youth. And the kids that I worked with did some abhorrent things and, you know, uh, really just did really bad things that society really looks down upon. 
And my dad was embarrassed to talk about that. So he told people that I worked at a boarding school. <laughs> so I went from like working with the underserved youth um, in these huge trauma situations to people thinking I was just like, you know, sort of lounging about at a prep school um, because it was so hard to talk about. And I remember thinking that if we don't like give this issue space or airtime, like these kids are going to think that like their issues and their problems need to be held in a corner. And I think as salespeople, service providers, and helping professionals, we run the risk of doing the same thing if we don't say you're suffering and I have the answer for why you don't need to suffer anymore. And you can speak to their pain. You can have the conversation. You can do it in a nurturing, loving way. You don't have to say like the only requirement is that the person's dead. You can find your way and you can find your style. But if you're not showing up and you're not having the conversation, then people are hurting and that becomes selfish. So think about that and think about the natural consequence of not showing up for yourself. Who's going to hurt? Who's going to suffer? because it's not going to be you at the end of the day. Thanks so much for joining me for this conversation today. I hope I've given you something to think about. And if you are a helping professional or any business owner who has not sold your product or your service in the past 36 hours, get that offer out. Put yourself in front of someone who needs to know you exist and tell them how you can help and how you can ease your suffering. I triple dog dare you. Thanks so much for today. I look forward to talking to you next time. Bye for now.